Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Let's talk about the hot corner here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Third base preview. We have got potentially three first-round picks at third base in Jose Ramirez, Nolan Arenado, and Alex Bregman. And I am Adam Azer with... Two of my first-round picks, Scott White and Heath Cummings. What's up, gentlemen? Who's ready for some third-base previewing? I thought you were going to go from hot corner to two of my hot hotties. <laughs> nope. It's weird enough that I'm talking about like going to third base with you. So I think well, I'll just I mean do we're that. all plus we're all we're all doing this from our respective homes, uh-huh. so we're not dressed like we'd normally be if we're in the office. That's true. So we that's- look terrible. We're we're not looking our best right now, Scott. Oh, Scott, are you kidding me? You are wearing a hat that I could not have in one million years envisioned—a plaid Georgia hat. Not not like part of its plaid. The entire hat it is so southern. It is so it is southern. Amazing. <laughs> and I'm wearing a white undershirt. Yes. Yeah. You see, this definitely V-neck. scrubbing it. Um. All right. So anyway, enough enough about our clothing. Let's get into this position. Also. Uh, news and notes. We'll talk a little bit about Kershaw, Bumgarner, Marwin Gonzalez, Jose Martinez, Jung Ho Gong and his two home runs. Scott wrote a good recap about some spring training standouts. Read it at cbsports.com slash fantasy. I know a lot of people are going to listen to this after it's published, well after it's published, uh, when you go back and do your position previewing. Today is February 25th, so we just have a few notes from February 25th. But let's start with, I'm going to give you one question about the three potential first round two of them definitely will be first round then Bregman's on the cusp um the three third basemen who are elite Jose Ramirez how good is Jose Ramirez last year he was the number one hitter in points leagues number four in roto but he really did have a career year do you think Jose Ramirez is legitimately that good I do I think in fact I think he might actually be better because he is always prior to last year. He, you know, low strikeout guy, consistent 300 hitter, right? Last year he ends up hitting 270 something. Uh, terrible Babbitt. I think, I think, you know, just the way his power and speed have been increasing over the years. Um, you know, I'm, I'm to a point where I'm reluctant to doubt that again for a third straight season. And then when you factor in bad Babbitt luck also, I mean, he's right there with Trouts and Betts. Trout and Betts, in my opinion. Yeah, I, the only thing that worries me, and I, I listen, how good is Jose Ramirez? He's awesome. I think he should be the number three pick. The reason I don't put him in the same tier as Trout and Betts is I, I think that low Babbitt is a little bit explainable. And it's part of the reason that he hit more home runs last year as well. Well, he made an effort to lift the baseball, had his... Highest fly ball rate at 45.9%. He'd never been over 40%. And that also came with a pretty significant increase in an infield fly ball rate, which I assume is associated with trying to hit more fly balls at 13%. It was his lowest line drive rate at 20%. Which so, is still a pretty good line drive rate. Yeah, it's not, it's not bad at all. It's not bad. Um, 
slightly above average, maybe. 252 uh, Babbitt, though, is really low. It, yeah. it is. I, I think he's probably more of a 280 hitter instead of a 270 or a 315 like he was the first two years. And I wouldn't be surprised if his home runs come down just a little bit, but he's in very good lineup. It'll probably come down to whether he steals 34 bases again or goes the 17-22 range that he was before. Yeah, but how but good, I think he's uh, going to be a first trumpet. How good would the lineup be for Jose Ramirez? If you know Scott's already said that uh, Francisco Lindor is not going to steal a single base this year. Exaggeration. exaggeration. <laughs> that won't hurt Ramirez, though. So. Um, well, they don't have Edwin Encarnacion anymore. They don't have Michael Brantley anymore. Uh, are they still going to have you know a top? I think they were like sixth in runs scored or something like that, or maybe third. They were up there in runs scored. Um, and they're not going to be there again. Well, listen, I I think it's an easy call to make Jose Ramirez the number three pick in a points league. His plate discipline is unbelievable. In fact, he honestly could be the number one pick, but you won't do that. But his plate discipline is great, and he doubles all the time. I guess it to me, what steals number do you expect? Because he stole 34 bases last year with his 39 home runs. Um, but in three seasons, 22, 17, 34 steals. Do you think he's more closer to 20 or closer to 30 this year? I think he's closer to 30. I think have, being in a weaker lineup helps with that. Um, you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to do more to generate runs and Ramirez legs is one way of doing that. So. Plus, they're not going to have Lindor stealing bases, right? <laughs> exactly. He, he's never going to run again. Never. Probably have to just walk to first base and then hope somebody hits a home run. Um, no, I, I, I would probably guess twenty-five. Looking at the projection systems, uh, the ATC has him at twenty-seven. Steamer has him at twenty-four. The Bat has him at twenty-three. I think twenty-five is a good over/under. Okay, so he's awesome. Um, Nolan Arenado, you know, right behind him, a little about three picks later in ADP, but I think you'll see them going back to back in a lot of drafts. And is there anything risky about no. Nolan Arenado? There is nothing risky. The the if if you, if you just want if you want to give him some risk, it's okay. He's in a uh a contract year. The, the Rockies seem totally committed to re-signing him, by the way. But he is in a contract year. Let's say those negotiations fall through. And the Rockies, unexpectedly, are not in contention. So a lot of things that seem improbable. He gets traded. He'll still probably be pretty good. But, of course, his numbers are been much better at home throughout his career. So it might be a step back. But that's that's the only risk I could put on him. He appears to be the safest uh, I might I might say he's he's the safest first rounder period to put up the kind of numbers we expect from him, right? Which won't be you know Trout and Betts's best, but it'll certainly be first round caliber. I see him slip to the late in the first round in a lot of roto leagues, and I think it's crazy. I mean, <laughs> to pass up that kind of production, he's not going to steal bases. He's one of the few first rounders, I guess, who won't do that, and that's why he slips. But uh, you know. Basically, once you get beyond Trout, Betts, Ramirez, and Altuve, the ones who I think have legit five-category potential, uh, Arenado's the way I would go. Would you guys take Arenado or Altuve? I'd take Altuve in a Roto League. And head-to-head, um, I'd probably still take Altuve because second base is weaker, but it's a closer call there. I'm going to take Altuve in both, yeah. Okay, but you agree, Heath, no risk with Arenado? I think Scott nailed it. The only risk is the Rockies are terrible and can't get a deal agreed to and trade them in July. And I'd say that's a 5% possibility. 
Arenado was having his best season of his career before a shoulder injury. He had an 809 OPS in his final 41 games after hurting his shoulder. He had a 981 OPS before that. He was on pace to hit 310 with 43 home runs. 119 RBIs was just actually a little low for him. He had had three straight years with 130 RBIs before last year and 112 runs. Okay, last uh, question about an elite third baseman. Can Alex Bregman get better? He batted uh, 286 with 31 home runs, 103 RBIs, 105 runs, and 10 steals. And uh, Bregman last year finished as the number two hitter, no, number six hitter in points leagues, number 13 in Roto. He has played this, more walks and strikeouts, so he's going to be better in points. And 51 doubles led baseball, also better in points. But anyway, do you think there's actually more for Alex Bregman, or did we see his best case last year? I have a hard time projecting he's going to be better this year just because he's not 100% healthy right now. But I don't think we've seen the very best year of Alex Bregman's career because last year we saw him with a 289 BABIP. I would expect he's going to have a year where he has a 320, 330 BABIP and challenges 300. Last year we saw him with a 14% home run to fly ball ratio. I would expect that he has a year where he's 15, 16, 17%, maybe hits 35 home runs. So no, I don't think we've seen the very best season from Alex Bregman, but I I have a hard time at this point projecting to be better next year. Do you guys consider Bregman a first-round pick? I do, without question. He is my number one shortstop now. Uh, actually, I may have Trey Turner ahead of him in Roto, but it's definitely Bregman in points in both first-rounders. Right. I wouldn't necessarily say he's more likely to be your shortstop. He could easily be your third baseman. But it's nice to have yep. the dual eligibility. It is. Heath, I'll let you answer real quick. Is Bregman a first-round pick for you? Yes. Right at, right at the very end, it's fine. I I mean, I'd feel better about getting him in the second, but he goes right at the turn. And it's like you always say, what's what's the difference between yeah. the second pick in the second round and the <laughs> last pick in the first round? There's, there's that much. So uh, we've got some stats about third baseman, some overall strategy questions. Let's do news and notes, um, and you guys can tell me. Look, we have our starting pitcher coming up. Uh, pre- preview coming up either late this week or next week. So we'll get to Kershaw. We'll get to Bumgarner. But Kershaw might be able to throw today here on Monday the 25th. He has shoulder soreness. Did you guys drop him in your rankings with the news? I um I did. Yeah, I did. I I might be dropping him a whole tier actually. Uh, he's he right now he's in the same tier as guys like Patrick Corbin, Carlos Carrasco, Zach Granke. They round out the tier. It's more or less an ace tier. I have a, I have a tier higher than that with like the Scherzer, the Scherzers and Degroms of the world. But yeah, Kershaw's I, in that second tier. I think I might drop him to the third with guys like uh, Steven Strasburg, Herman Marquez. The upside risk ratio seems similar to me. I I think he deserves a tier of his own. And it's just almost impossible to rank him because you're going to come at that point in the draft where he's there and Zach Grinke's there or he's there and James Paxton's there. And it's just really hard to take him today. Yeah. Like your ranking is going to be so much different if he makes a couple of spring training starts and is fine. Right. And and, and it, we could be way too high at the same time. And this is this is something I wrote about in the first uh, spring observations column or spring notes is what they're being called this year. Um it's not just the fact that his shoulder is hurting. It's Dave Roberts talking about or speculating why the shoulder was hurting. He's trying to regain the velocity that he didn't have last year. And uh, 
you know, Robert said something like, you know, we still believe he's an ace. He needs to believe it too. <laughs> like, yeah. so there's like, um, first of all, it doesn't sound like he's regaining the velocity. And second of all, it sounds like he's having some, uh, some concerns of his own at this point. He's so my that's number, ni- number 19 starting pitcher at this point. Yeah, you mentioned the velocity. I mean, he, he had talked, Kershaw had talked about being optimistic about getting some velocity back, and it seems like his current shoulder issue is a result of him trying to get that velocity back. So it's a big red flag. Might, I, I can't say it might be nothing. I mean, it, it, you have to consider all the injuries, and it's bad news. Um, Bumgarner apparently had some bad luck. He threw a scoreless inning, then he gave up six earned runs. Without recording it out in the second inning, there were some ground balls that got through that were usually outs. But uh, any level of concern about this terrible Bumgarner start? He, he's extremely hittable, and he has been for two years, and you're going to have bad luck starts when you're that hittable. You know, one thing I forgot, I'd forgotten about, uh, you know, I was writing about this start too. Last spring, Bumgarner struck out 30 in 21 innings. He was having, he had a brilliant spring and then broke his hand at the end of spring training, missed the start of the season. So it, I I still don't want anything to do with him. He's still on my bus list. I'm still worried. It, but it it is possible we never saw him at full health last season. Right. We need to see a good spring, like sort of like he had last year, to convince me uh, that it's not just a downward spiral. And obviously, this start doesn't help with that. Jed Lowry is not sure he'll be ready for opening day. The White Sox signed Irvin Santana to a minor league deal. Is Irvin Santana worth drafting? I don't think so, no. AL I saw him go in our, like, our deep AL only league, but that's it. The Twins signed Marwin Gonzalez to a two-year, $21 million deal. Heath, what's the fantasy impact of Marwin Gonzalez on the Twins? I do not like this at all. The Twins were a team that already had too many guys for, not too, necessarily too many guys in terms of a bunch of good hitters, but too many guys for a set number of positions. Um, and it sounds like they want Marwin to get 500 plate appearances. I think that's probably going to be bad news, possibly for someone like Miguel Sano. Ooh, and and Marvin Gonzalez, five hundred plate appearances, not that much. Uh, it's not it's not nothing, but it's not great. Sonny Gray was scratched from his start with elbow stiffness. The Yankees signed Aaron Hicks to a seven-year, seventy million dollar deal. Uh, St. Louis signed Jose Martinez to a two-year deal, and then we have Jung Ho Gong and Taylor Ward, both third basemen. Uh, is Gong where's Gong's eligibility right now? Third base. Third base, okay. Yep. And he hit two home runs. Taylor Ward hit a grand slam. Scott did a nice write-up on these guys. Gong could, I mean, he could beat out Colin Moran, right? Yeah, I mean, apparently their GM, Neil Huntington, said he had a chance to uh, to get every day at bats if he shows he's still the same guy he was in 2015, 2016, which was a really good power hitter. He, he hit like 36 home runs and... I think 750 at bats between those two seasons, and that was before uh, the big power surge around the league. So, yeah, I mean, there were really there were long home runs off. Uh, you know, it was early. I don't know, remember what pitchers it was off, of, but it was early in the game. So, you know, if 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 he shows a lot of power this spring, I think he's definitely going to uh, appear on some sleeper lists. Okay, I'm ready to get into uh, third base. I did have a fun autocorrect, though, from my phone. Um, Braves pitcher Mike Sotomayor has shoulder soreness. I don't know when I was texting about Supreme Court justices, <laughs> but Mike Soroka became Mike Sotomayor. <laughs> but he does have shoulder soreness, and he's an interesting guy we saw last year, and uh, it certainly could be in the rotation. 
Uh, all right, stats about third base. Javier Baez, yes, he is eligible to other positions, but he stole three bases after the All-Star break. Blame Chili Davis. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Easy easy scapegoat for anything that went wrong for the Cubs last year. All right, how about this one? Uh, Chris Bryant, hard contact rate. Last two years, not been very good. Here's his hard contact rate in four seasons. 37.5%, 40.3%. That was the year Bryant hit 39 homers. Last two years, 32.8%, 31.2%. Blame Chili Davis? Blame Chili Davis. I'd have a lot easier time buying into this big bounce-back season for Chris Bryant. He's healthy again. He's back to swinging the bat the same way he did before hurting his shoulder last year. He apparently changed the way he held the bat and his follow-through and everything. Uh, and, and that's great, but... You know, he still hit only 29 home runs in 2017. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, you can't just put it all on the shoulder injury. Well, I guess if I'm going to dispute that, he, it's easy to forget. Chris Bryant got off to an amazing start last year. I don't know. He did. First 38 he did. games, he had a 10-22 OPS with eight homers. And it could just be that that 29 homer season was a fluke. I think the batted ball data still supports a pretty good power hitter. Uh, but. It's it's just another it's another reason to be hesitant, especially considering it's not like there's a scarcity of power hitters at third base. Okay, that's Chris Bryant. Here's Eugenio Suarez. His home run to fly ball rate the last two seasons: seventeen point nine percent, twenty three point four percent last year for Suarez. He batted two eighty three with thirty four home runs. He was about seventh or eighth at third base. Heath, you think he can hit thirty home runs again? I would bet against him having a 23% home run to fly ball rate, but it is worth saying that like his home run to fly ball ratio went up along with his hard contact rate. Yes. He's a career 36% guy and he was at 48.6% last year. I would it's, just bet it, I I'd bet against almost anyone being at 48% hard contact. Yeah. His soft contact rate was 8.4. I mean, he crushed the ball last season. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. The, the thing, the thing I, I'm most skeptical of about Suarez's line last year is that home run total. Is he closer to 25 or is he closer to 35? That I can't answer. But if we're setting the over under at 30, I would take a little under. Suarez was seventh in points, sixth in roto. Very good year, but he just is very homer dependent. He doesn't double, doesn't steal. Um, plate discipline's nothing special. That's pretty good. It is pretty good. It is? Yeah, that's pretty good. 10, 10 walks, a 10% walk rate, 13.3 in 2017. I mean, that's good. Well, that's good, but he does strike out a lot. Eh, Strikes average. out once a game. Uh, that, no, I, 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 I'm I think... calling his plate discipline a plus, actually. Yeah, you know what? Okay, 84 walks in 2017. Okay, that is very good. I guess I'm just looking strictly at walk-to-strikeout ratio. Uh, he, he, he does strike out at an above-average rate. Okay, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has a career 943 OPS in the minors with more walks than strikeouts. Very good stuff. When are you guys <laughs> drafting Vladimir Guerrero? I don't think I've drafted him yet. We've done a lot of mocks so far. I don't think it's happened. Uh, I'm not usually even thinking about doing it until round four, and it just seems like there are other priorities at that point. If he was there in round six, I think that's when I'd pull the trigger. But it never happens. 
the, the closest that I got was the draft I'm doing right now, the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, and I had the 60th pick. And I would have taken him? him there, and he oh. went at 52. Oh, okay. I was going to say. He uh, went way early in mine. And uh, that's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. ADP, I believe, is in the fourth round for him. Justin Turner has only one season with more than 130 games played in his career. Keep that in mind. He's very good, though, when he plays. And Justin Turner had a 45% hard contact rate and just a 10.1% home run to fly ball rate. Does that make any sense for Turner? No. No. Okay, good. Uh, Well, here's what you need to know about Turner. Okay. He was coming back from a broken hamate bone, right? Mm -hmm. Which, as Chris was pointing out, for everybody who suffered it last year, takes a while to regain the power. And I think that was mostly proven correct. It it was in Turner's case too because of the fourteen home runs he hit, um, nine of them came in the final two months. He hit three fifty seven with a ten sixty seven OPS over those final two months. Power stroke was suddenly back. Yeah, and uh, he was awesome. He uh-huh. I mean three fifty seven with a three ninety BABIP, which is obviously high, but like the difference between the batting average and BABIP isn't. Um. You know, it's it's eyebrow raising in and of itself because it's not much of one. Right, fifty three games for Turner. I, the ironic part about it was that it was after a DL stint for a groin strain. So he he starts off the season, he breaks his wrist or his handmade bone in his hand. Doesn't debut until May fifteenth. Then he struggled out of the gate. Then he had a DL stint, came back, and then he started raking. But uh, Turner, you know, very good player. Two thousand seventeen, he was eighth in points, tenth in roto, but he only played one hundred and thirty games. His pace, if he had played 155 games in 2017, would have been the number three third baseman in points leagues. Uh, so, you know, I know Chris loves him. I'll just, I'll just let you. That's stat of the day. Chris loves Justin Turner. Uh, Matt Carpenter. It's not going very high at all. It's great fallback option at third base. Well, but remember, his own, the, stat, the actual stat, he's only played one season with more than 130 games. So that's the only reason I call him a fallback option. Uh, Matt Carpenter and Eugenio Suarez had the highest hard contact rates in baseball. Suarez was tied with David Peralta. And here's our last stat before we get into strategy, sleepers, breakouts, busts. How about Matt Chapman? Interesting player here. After the All-Star break, he batted 309. He slugged 591. Chapman hit 14 home runs and hit uh, 25 doubles and three triples with 23 walks to 68 strikeouts in 64 games. Heath, was this a legitimate breakout? For Matt Chapman, the thing that makes it so hard to believe is the off-season injury stuff. If he was fully healthy all off-season, I think we would have a lot of hype around this being a possible breakout. He does also strike out quite a bit, but really his walk-to-strikeout ratio looks pretty similar to a Eugenio Suarez, and he's always had the power. So I I think there's certainly a possibility if he can show us that he's fully healthy in the spring. Chapman is the 14th third baseman off the board going in round nine. Round nine is loaded with third baseman. It's Donaldson, Chapman, Myers, and Justin Turner. So a lot of people will be getting their third baseman, uh, you know, around 100th overall. Round nine in a 12-team league. We're going to get into strategy, sleepers, breakouts, and busts. We're coming right back after this. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. 
four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Okay, Scott, what's your overall third base strategy? My overall third base strategy is to wait for the most part. If I'm picking third overall, sure, I'm taking Ramirez. If I'm picking fifth overall, sure, I'm taking Arenado. But aside from those scenarios, um, I'm really just waiting until the value feels right right, because there are a lot of options to choose from. Some drafts, it seems like Anthony Rendon is a great value. He is a points league stud. He actually averaged more head-to-head points per game last year than Arenado. Uh, So... You know, if you can get him in round four of a points league, I think that's certainly something you want to capitalize on. A lot of times it's Eugenio Suarez falling to like round seven or something. I think that's a great time to take him. But if I don't get a good value for any of them and I don't get Ramirez or Arenado, Justin Turner is probably the guy I'm going to take because that can happen in like round nine, round 10. And, uh, you know, you pair him with a pretty good backup. There's so many options at third base, so that's not hard to do either. And while he's healthy, you'll probably get an early round caliber bat in Justin Turner. Heath, what's your read on third base and your strategy? The interesting thing, and I think I said this about one other position, is I I generally find myself, the three guys that I draft them most often at the position are eligible at other positions. And so it's not uncommon at all for me to have more than one third baseman on my team that are both eligible somewhere else. I like Matt Carpenter a lot at his ADP. I like Travis Shaw a lot where he's going, and I'll play him at second a lot of the time. And then I, I'm pretty fond of Max Muncy still. Let me just uh, address something with the listeners. I know we're having some audio issues, some little audio skips. Uh, I apologize for it. We're going to be – Scott mentioned we're all at our homes today. But beginning next week, we're going to have a more regular – studio schedule and we'll have um, better audio quality for you there uh i yeah i mean i i love that round nine value like i I definitely want to take some josh donaldson justin turner um the only problem with that is i also want chris bryant in the fourth round and vladimir guerrero in the fifth round he's going in the fourth round but i'd like to get those guys i'm not going you can't have every third baseman out well, I mean, it's a good position. I, I'd like to have them all. Didn't I try to do that in a draft last year where I drafted like a team full of third basemen? And you kind of can. I guess you can when you <laughs> consider the position eligibility. You can take Bregman and then <laughs> Baez and then Carpenter and then Shaw and then Bryant and put Max Muncy somewhere. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it depends on what it depends on what else you're prioritizing. Uh, right, you know, I also, you're prioritizing everything because they all play somewhere else. Well, I, I have no. this, I mean, this question uh, though. You're, you're not getting any pitchers if you do that. <laughs> Jose Ramirez, do you think he's going to be second base eligible at some point? Um, because he played like I, 16 games at second base last year. 
That would be a game Those changer. Those were mostly early, right? Uh, I don't know. 71 games in 2017, 16 in second base. That would, that I mean, would they too. have... Uh, I, I think Terry Francona has talked about playing Carlos Santana some in the outfield, but not at third base. I just, I'm not sure. You know, last year they had Yandy Diaz, who's now in Tampa Bay. I'm not sure there's anybody who would move Ramirez off third base. And they have Jason Kipnis at second, who's, you know, been a trade candidate in the past. But, I mean, the Indians are obviously contending. So I don't think that's going to happen given the rest of the state of the rest of their lineup. So I don't, I'm not really counting on that for Ramirez, no. Okay, so uh, I mean, it only back, takes back five this, games. Yeah, but. five games exactly. So, so back to this conversation about third base strategy. Do you guys feel like you want to or need to have some Chris Bryant and or Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in your lives? Uh, I don't feel like I I have to, but I I generally don't play that way anyway. I kind of treat each team independently of any other and just try to build the best lineup I possibly can every time as opposed to hedging my bets in that way. Uh, I mean, it'd be fun to own Guerrero if he's everything I think he's going to be. But so far, people are paying for him like he is. So I just, I can live without him. Okay. Uh, I've got got a correction issue. Okay. I believe every single game that Jose Ramirez played at second base last year was in September. In fact, I think his last 18 games were played at second base, and he played third base every game before that. That's pretty interesting. He was also really bad in September. Um, Ramirez was his, uh, his slump at the end of the year. Last 38 games, actually. He had a 577 OPS. Does anybody remember that with Jose Ramirez? Uh, it was kind of an afterthought. You know, people stopped paying attention to fantasy baseball, but he finished really poorly, but I don't think anyone's worried. In fact, I know we're not worried. Um, after the top three, Ramirez, uh, Arenado, Bregman, when's the next, uh, when's the earliest to take a third baseman after that? Uh, like I said, Anthony Rendon's probably the first one I would go for after the first round group, and it would depend on the format. Probably, I could see doing it as early as late round three in a points league, but I, I feel like he's even, he even tends to be overlooked in those formats. So I I try to aim more for round four, and then you know if he's still there in round five in a roto league, I'd consider it. I think round four is a good range. Okay, and Heath's next third baseman is Carpenter, followed by Rendon. Whereas Scott has Rendon, followed by Baez, and in Roto, um, I'll get the Roto rankings up as well. Next question. Oh, let's do sleepers, breakouts, and busts. Who's your favorite? Start with Heath here. Who's your favorite sleeper third baseman? You know, you. I'll give, I'm going to give two names. Okay, I feel like I did something wrong here. The way you you sounded mad at me. No, well, I kind of am because <laughs> I wish Jung Ho Gong had waited a day to hit two home runs. Ah, okay, okay. I think there's a pretty good chance, as long as nothing's changed with him physically over the last year and a half, he is a lot better than Colin Moran in terms of an offensive baseball player. I think there's a pretty good chance he wins that job, and if he does win that job, I think there's a pretty good chance he's someone that should be drafted in a standard roto draft, and his ADP is absolutely nothing right now. Okay, Jung Ho Gong, you are, I will allow two names. And then the second one that I'll go with is Devers. He's gotten better shape. His ADP is is way low compared to what the expectations were. He's still really young, still has great contact skills, and I think there's more pop potential than we've seen. Scott, who's a sleeper or sleepers for you? 
Mm. I guess uh, I'll give you a shallow one and a deep one, okay? Oh, two. Like another twofer. Yeah. Uh, the shallow one's going to be Max Muncie, who I really wish I knew what the Dodgers were going to do with him because to me it all hinges on is he an everyday player or not. Uh, you know, his his mid-round price tag assumes he's not. If he is, if he plays against righties and lefties like he was for most of the first half last year, I think you're talking about a second-round caliber bat. Um, you know, on-base machine with huge power as well. And by the way, when he lost his, when he slipped into a platoon role last year, he actually had better numbers against lefties than righties and made no sense. Still finished with very good numbers against lefties, though, you know, he didn't get many at-bats against them the rest of the way. But he's he's a monster, and he needs to play every day, and I just hope the Dodgers recognize it. Somebody, if Somebody's going to get a great bargain if they do. Okay. Uh, and then the deep one is Taylor Ward, you mentioned at the top of the show, who last year at AAA hit about 350 with 14 homers and 18 steals in fewer than 400 bats, less than 400 bats. Uh, is it fewer or less than for a bat? Fewer, fewer. Fewer, fewer yeah. than 400 at bats. Uh, 14 and 18. I sounded, over. yeah, I'm really confident there with the fewer versus less. I'm not, but I think, I think I'm right. But anything I'm, you can count as fewer, right? Yes. Fewer. You, at bats. you can count I, at bats. I, I can count I, at bats. I think so. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> been like, that's been my biggest grammar struggle is less than versus fewer than. But anyway. Yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah. You know so Max I mean, Muncy, that's Taylor a power speed Great. combo. He struck out a ton in the majors when he got a chance last year, but that you know it was it was a reasonable strikeout rate in the minors. Uh, he had a grand slam his first the first time he swung the bat this spring. His only competition is, um, oh, I can't even remember the guy's name, but some really real lightweight as a hitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he's. A, I think with that power speed combo, Ward's a great. Uh, Roto sleeper, uh, particularly if you get into those like fifteen team leagues or deeper. Okay, Scott White, breakout third baseman. Who you got? Breakout third baseman. Considering he already took Devers. Um, oh, you don't like Devers? No, I mean he make, brings up a good point about. I love Devers. I, no, I I like Devers. Devers. I like. Look, Devers has a huge ceiling. I, I think he's going to be a star player someday. I wish the bat of ball profile revealed more of it last year because then I could say, oh, it's going to be this year. I don't feel confident it's going to be this year, but it could be. The fact that he did so much work on his physique this offseason uh, I think is a good sign. Somebody else who made an effort to slim down this offseason and who not so long ago we thought of as a must-start in fantasy is Kyle Seeger. That's more of a sleeper, I guess. But I, I think I think people might be forgetting about him too much too. Awful year. He'd like two twenty. But he's better than that. Okay, so you gave us a third sleeper. That's fine. Yeah. Kyle's Well just let's call Muncie a breakout. All right, there you go. I was going to call Muncie a breakout. I've been scrambling ever since you ca- saw <laughs> called him a sleeper. See the <laughs> thing about third base is there's there's so many that are already so great. Like, it's hard to find a diamond in the rough. Well, Travis Shaw. Travis Shaw. Travis Shaw. Travis Shaw. Travis Shaw, <laughs> Travis Shaw breakout. Your thoughts? 
Love it. We've not seen the best of Travis Shaw yet. I kind of feel that way. And then the other guy is Chapman, who we, we spoke about. That was going to be my breakout. You never asked me for a breakout. I thought you were just complaining about not having a breakout. No, I was complaining about Scott taking my breakout. All right, so who's your breakout? I came up with another one. Who? who? Matt Chapman. Oh, Matt Chapman. Well, what, what, what do you know? <laughs> Career 40% hard contact rate, 43% fly ball rate. He, I, We haven't seen the best of him in terms of power potential. And if he is healthy to start the year, I think there's legit 35 homer potential with 100 RBI and what should be a pretty decent offense. It'll yeah. be interesting. I, I say 100 RBI. <clears throat> 100 runs or 100 RBI, because I don't know for sure. If they put him in the two-hole, it may be more the runs. Right, and that's where he batted. That's where Matt Chapman batted toward the end of last year, and the A's had a very good lineup. They scored the fourth most runs in baseball. They they lose Jed Lowry. I, I don't think they're going to be top five, but they should be a good lineup. Um, and I think there should be a lot of doubles there. He's got a pretty good doubles track record. He averaged 46 doubles and six triples per 162 games in his career. I, I just think as hard as he hits the ball, there's a chance a couple of those doubles turn into home runs. He's I'll still just 25. That. Yeah, I will take that. Uh, yeah, the only thing is he had a 338 Babbitt last year and hit 278. So is Matt Chapman like a 240 hitter? I mean, two, I think 250. 250. Okay, but still could be really good for you. And oh, I think there's such an obvious bust, especially when you factor in ADP. Uh, I'll wait for somebody else to say it. Scott, who's a bust at third base? Well, I'm not sure I've reviewed ADP as thoroughly as you have. So well, there's one guy on this list we've called a bust at like three different positions already. Who, Javier Baez? <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah, he's, the, he's the official bust of fantasy baseball today. I, I know who it is you're talking about, and I guess the ADP is... Outlandish, yeah. Miguel uh, Andujar. Miguel Andujar. Like going and he 75th. is in my bust 1.0. I've had some thoughts about removing him for 2.0 because I find myself drafting him a fair amount, actually. Uh, and, and specifically in Roto Leagues because like, one thing I feel secure with from Andujar is batting average. Uh, doesn't strike out much and has the right batted ball profile for it. He'll hit for average this year. And it's hard to find a guy who hits for average in power in the middle of drafts, provided he actually lasts till the middle of drafts. His ADP hasn't been so fine. If if he really is going 74th overall, that's too early. Uh, the guy I'm not drafting anywhere is Matt Carpenter. And I think we went over at some at first base, yeah. so I don't know how much. Yeah, it's the end of the sixth round, and you were actually just talking about drafting him. I'm not going to get him. It's the it's the early to middle part of the sixth round in case that changes anything for Carpenter. I thought it was seventy first overall. I got him at sixty fifth right now. Okay, like you're, if you're on Fantasy Pros, I'm on NFBC. Yeah, if on we're Pros. calling a bust like somebody who we're afraid is just going to bottom out, it's it's Carpenter with with Anduhar because I never got into this part. With Anduhar, the biggest fears for me is that his defense is so bad, and they have DJ Lemayhu. Um, who they're trying to find a spot for. If Andujar gets off to a slow start, you know, it'd be easy to justify taking him out of the lineup. So that's that's really the downside with Andujar. But what are the chances he does get off to a slow start? I, I think it's a really safe bet. Well, okay, and, and just Andujar, I mean, he's not the most well-rounded hitter right now, but he was second rookie of the year. I, I'm not going to 
say that we've seen the very best of him, but he had a really good year. He's taken advantage of the ballpark. He's only 24 years old, batted 297 with 27 home runs, was the number eight third baseman in both points and Roto. 17 of his 27 homers came in June and August. So he wasn't the most consistent player, but it's just you're taking him right now, not you, but owners are taking him ahead of Travis Shaw, Josh Donaldson, Matt Chapman, Will Myers, Justin Turner, and Max Muncy. So nope. it doesn't make sense to take Andujar there. Scott says Matt Carpenter is his bust. Heath, how about you? Uh, do I want to give people a clip to come back on for like the next 15 years <laughs> as this guy builds a Hall of Fame career? Miguel Why Andujar? not? Have I ever been afraid? No. Vlad. Oh, okay. <laughs> he should not. like he. He may be a Hall of Fame hitter. He may be. I expect him to be very, very good in the future. He's not going to be in the majors on opening day, and he's being drafted ahead of Anthony Rendon. Okay, but is, isn't Chris Bryant, like, Chris Bryant's rookie season warranted a fourth round pick, right? I yeah. think so. Yeah, definitely did. Yeah. He went in the first round the following year, so yeah. Right. Did Carlos Correa's feel like it did? I'm going to look that yeah. up. Yeah, it did. So, yeah, I take uh, Rendon. Well, I'm not sure the at bats were there, but on a per game basis. And I think there's a little bit of, like, it seems really stupid to question how many at-bats he's going to get. But the Blue Jays have seemed really stupid in terms of fantasy baseball perspective. But he's the best prospect since who? Is he better than Acuna? In terms of hitter, which I think is what we're talking about here on a fantasy baseball podcast, he's he's the best I can remember. Right. So I, I don't know. I don't, you know, I Trout, maybe? I I had I mean, more doubts about Trout when and, Trout you know, was getting called up, to be honest. He, he gets downgraded a little bit because he's probably not going to steal any bases in terms of fantasy value, right? If we're not just talking hitter, but fantasy value. Sure. I, I mean, I guess, but if he's everything he's supposed to be, he's first-rounder regardless, not having stolen bases. I, I'm not going to draft him where he, I have to draft him. I think he's not. there's a good chance he doesn't deliver value on that draft position. The... the uh, the potential for him to hit for average and power. I mean, a guy whose strikeout rate is that low and yet is that strong is is just it's insane. Like I think I think he's going to be another Albert Pujols. If you've, been, if you've been playing fantasy long enough to remember when Albert Pujols was the number one pick every year, that's the kind of Albert Pujols I'm talking about. He's going 44th overall. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Other guys going in that range, Correa, Rendon, and, and Vlad basically have the same ADP. Correa, Rendon, Bellinger, Vlad, Bogarts, Edwin Diaz. And is it Corbin, true that he still is actually not Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Why? His name is actually just Vladimir Guerrero. I, I, uh, like on his birth certificate? I don't, I don't know, know that. Well, even on his baseball reference page. Well, on Fantasy Pros, he's got a junior. But I think baseball reference is probably more Sometimes accurate. you just stick the junior on just to distinguish it from his daddy. Ask Scott. Scott's a junior. He would know. Yeah. Juniors, that's a, that's a whole thing. Man. I'm a senior. Jim Mora Jr. is technically not a junior. Um, it's Really? It's annoying because, yeah, the, like what do you do when there's not a spot for suffix in an official form you're filling out what do you do oh. you stick it on the end of your middle name the worst if you stick it on the end of your last name you might get they might have it messed up in their database so your last name is white jr instead of just white when obviously your last name's not white jr it's white 
Maybe it is White Jr. Maybe you've been it's reading not, it wrong the whole time. I have All the right. same last name ADP. as the rest of my family. <laughs> no, you're different. <laughs> ADP review. Jose Ramirez, third overall. Nolan Arenado, seventh overall. If Manny Machado is third base eligible, he's 13th overall. Alex Bregman, also 13th overall. Javier Baez, the official bust of fantasy baseball today. He is 17th overall. Uh, who would you take? Obviously, you're waiting until like maybe late round three, maybe round four for Javier Baez or something. But who is going after him in third base that you would take ahead of Javier Baez? Carpenter in a points league. Well, I would say Rendon in a points league. And that's honestly it. Okay. I've I've never had occasion to think about drafting Baez. I think I just have him... (laughs) Him far enough down, like maybe just the gap is smaller between him and the other third baseman for me than it is for everyone else. I, I'm sorry to say this. It just seems crazy to have, and you both have it this way, especially in a points league. Holy cow. You're so wrong about this, guys. Um, it seems crazy to have Javier Baez over Chris Bryant. Okay. I mean, it depends on uh, on your aversion to risk and your aversion to shoulder injuries. I will tell you, I Adam, I think I think you were right. Thank you. If Javier Baez was only eligible at third base. Okay. I, I see. Uh, yeah, that's a good point, too. Yeah. So Bryant's going 33rd overall. Your thoughts there? Too soon for me. Me too. Right. So let's take a look at some of the other players going there. It's undeniable what his upside is. I mean, we've seen a 39 home. Well, I guess it's not undeniable because some people don't think the 39 homer season was legit. But going right around Chris Bryant, we've got Rizzo, we've got Severino, Merrifield, Juan Soto. Those um, all sound like better picks than Bryant to me, especially the first three. Okay. Uh, because of you're dealing with a clearer scarcity there than you are a slugging third baseman. And then we get that to, was yeah. that was uh, who was it again? It was Rizzo, first base being a weak position. Aces are running out, Severino, and Whit Merrifield, the steals, and second base being shallow. Right. And Juan Soto was the other guy. Kind of yeah. iffy. But. I mean, I'd rather have Soto and Br- than Bryant, but that's more of a toss-up. Okay. Uh, then we get to round four where we have Anthony Rendon and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and you guys would definitely take Rendon. Yep. So then who would you take ahead of Vladimir that's going after him other than for Heath Matt Carpenter? But Eugenio Suarez is the next third baseman off the board. He's the eighth third baseman off the board. I'm not counting Manny Machado. Uh, he's around after Vlad. Or is it just like, it, it's more of a, let's just wait, rather than I I prefer this guy to Vladimir Guerrero? For, for me, that's what it is. For me, it's, I have bigger needs to fill, and I know there are still good third basemen left. And, you know, it's kind of a, annoying to have to plan around, hopefully, just two weeks without your starting third baseman. Hopefully, but I, I mean the Ju- the Blue Jays—they're not—they're certainly not required to call them up in mid-April. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We'll we'll be very mad at them if they don't. Uh, so Suarez in round five. Hey, you know Suarez—is he a top sixty type player for you? I, I've just come to realize, I guess, that all of the third basemen are going before I want to draft them. Fifty-fourth <laughs> overall, he's in the same range as Albies, Paxton. Real Muto, Glaber Torres, who we think is going too early. Steven Strasburg, Gary Sanchez, Joey Votto, all there with Eugenio Suarez. Feels a little early for me. 
Yeah. I'd rather have the catchers for sure. I'd rather have the pitchers for sure. All the all the rest of the hitters in that round sound like busts. There are two big topics I think we need to talk about here, and I want to make sure we get to them before this ends. Go for it. Ooh. Uh, Josh Donaldson and the Brewers' third base situation. Okay, well, let's just wait till the next group because th- there that's that's part of it. Okay. So Matt Carpenter is going in round six. Why don't you each give me 10 to 15 seconds on why you're so different on Matt Carpenter, starting with Scott, who has him as his bust. So I think last year was, um, in terms of power, was definitely the best case scenario. And for a middle stretch of the season, he was delivering a batting average, too. In a way, for years, we'd been saying the batted ball profile invited him to do. But then it was very poor finish. He has a pretty extensive injury history and is in his mid-30s now. So the downside just is is piling up there, and there's not enough upside uh, for me to take the chance on it. And I'd just say the upside is he his batted ball profile in 2017 looked like he should be a pick in the first two rounds. His performance over the middle two-thirds of the season last year looked like he should be a first-round pick. He's going to be in an even better offense this year with Paul Goldschmidt right behind him in the order. And I believe the power because the batted ball date has been there for two years in a row. I don't think he's going to be a huge help or even a help in batting average. I don't think he's going to be a drag like he was in 2017 so much. But I expect mid-30s home runs, 110 runs, and uh, probably 70 to 80 RBI. Matt Carpenter. Um, Miguel Andujar is going in round seven too early. So then we get to rounds eight and nine. A a big run on third baseman here. Travis Shaw, Josh Donaldson, Matt Chapman, Will Myers, Justin Turner. Travis Shaw, Josh Donaldson, Matt Chapman, Will Myers, and Justin Turner. All right, Scott, what do you want us to know about this group? So Josh Donaldson, I mean, we could have made a case for him as a sleeper here. If you're looking for a sleeper third baseman, I kind of already did make the case for Justin Turner. And I think it's a very similar situation. Josh Donaldson, who obviously had his 2018 season wrecked by injury. Uh, It was mostly a calf issue, and he dealt with one of those in 2017, too. But once he got right in 2017, he was... Basically MVP caliber hitter again. Um, there he, he's 33 years old, so you know you have to factor in the possibility of decline in addition to the injury risk. Uh, but you know if if you're if you're approaching it kind of the same way I am, uh, and you want value at third base. And let's say somebody reaches for Turner before you. I think Donaldson is is more or less the same thing. He's not quite as safe, but it's it's similar upside where you could be getting an early round bat in like round nine or ten. Um, yeah, I, I'd like to have some Josh Donaldson for sure. And if you take yeah. Donaldson and Shaw in the same range, you could have players at both corner infields. And uh, if Donaldson fails at third, you know, you could just slide Shaw into third and try to pick up a first baseman or something like that. You know, you can kind Shaw of get around. Shaw's second base. Oh, he's second base. Excuse me. So, yeah. Which makes, makes it even better. better. That's even better. And then Will Myers is going to be outfield eligible. 
So I mean, you could take you could take two of these guys and mm-hmm. have a have a backup for Josh Donaldson. I don't know if you want I, to, but you could do. I've this. come close to taking Donaldson as my utility. So I mean, similar in that way. I, I just I think we should talk a little bit about what Travis Shaw did last year because you want to talk about a guy that was unlucky. He had a thirty nine percent hard contact rate, a forty three percent forty four percent fly ball rate. Walked 13% of the time and cut his strikeout rate to 18% of the time. Yeah. That, that's, that, those are phenomenal peripherals. Unfortunately, he had a 242 BABIP, so his batting average sucked, but his batting average was one point lower than his BABIP. He also struggled I, against lefties, which was surprising. Well, not surprising. He hadn't done he, that for he, two years. He, I think he did that in 2016, but not 17. I, I gave this stat on the first base preview, but OPS versus lefties in four seasons for Shaw. 975, 599, 776, 599. So, so ha- half his career bad. <laughs> yeah. And that's a big deal. So that's the other thing Scott wanted to talk about because Moustakas is back. And Moustakas is probably going too late if he's an everyday player because he's going 146th overall. He's probably going to hit 30 home runs. Close now, to it. I, I will say that the way the Brewers are approaching it this time around, because, of course, when they traded for – Moustakis in the second half last season, they moved Shaw to be their primary second baseman, and he wasn't good enough to play second base every day. So he's, his playing time suffered down the stretch. So it would seem like horrible news that Moustakis is coming back. But now, of course, Moustakis is the one they want to try at second base. Well, that seems like an even worse fit than Shaw. Moustakis's range uh, metrics are poorer at third base than Shaw's were, and you'd think you'd need even more range at second base. So I'm, it's good. It's good because it means they want Shaw as their third base fixture. But what happens if Bustakas just doesn't cut it there? Are they just going to bench him or is it, I mean, Shaw's going to end up seeing some time irregularly at second base. Like I I still think it could, it could end up being uh, a disastrous situation in terms of Shaw's playing time. I, where I he's only playing like two thirds of the time. Yeah, well, let's talk about this group as a whole, and, and let's go. Who's your favorite? Who's got the most upside? Who's got the most downside? I'm going to throw one more name in the group, and it's Muncie. So we go from from Shaw to Donaldson, Chapman, Will Myers, Justin Turner, Max Muncie. We haven't said a word about Will Myers, by the way. He's once again on a 2020 pace last year, but he's at times been more like 30, 25, or 25, 30. You know. Um, Shaw, Donaldson, Chapman, Myers, Turner, Muncy. If they're all on the board, who are you taking? Shaw. Turner. Who's next for you? Donaldson. Turner. So Heath would go Shaw, then Turner. Scott would go Turner, then Donaldson. No, I'd go Chapman, then Donaldson. Oh, you said Chapman? Yeah, I'd go Shaw, Turner, Muncy, Chapman, Donaldson. Sorry, I, I got the Donaldsons confused. Say it again. Shaw, mm-hmm. Turner, Muncie, Chapman, Donaldson. What about Myers? No. <laughs> Scott? Uh, I would go Turner, Donaldson, Shaw, Muncie, and then Chapman. Um, you know, I'd probably go Myers ahead of both Muncie and Chapman in a Roto League. That's really the the value I see Myers having is if you don't have enough steals at that stage of the draft, 
there you go. There's some steals. Yeah. If it's if it's a points league or a situation where you don't need steals, I don't have much incentive to draft Mon- uh, Myers. Right. He's third base eligible. He'll have outfield eligibility. He's going to play there. They have an outfield logjam, so he might actually have to be good. But he, I feel like on this podcast, has gotten absolutely no love, and we might be underrating him a little bit. But Myers, see, see Rendon, much better in points leagues. Carpenter, better, not much better, but better in points leagues. Carpenter, better in points leagues. Jose Ramirez, I would say, safer in points leagues. It strikes me this position is one that, that has guys who are better in points leagues, but Myers is the opposite. Myers is the, is the guy you pretty much only want in Roto. Uh, he's not. I, I actually do have him ranked higher, 90th overall, than his ADP 101, Myers. So I don't know that I'm down on him relative to the consensus, but I, I think everyone everyone recognizes, uh, you know, there's there's not a there there are there are shortcomings as a hitter. Yeah, I I am down on him. I've got him 129, so I will not be drafting him. And Scott, it seems like Heath has no interest in Will Myers. Who's the guy in this in this grouping? Shaw, Donaldson, Chapman, Myers, Turner, Muncie that you just can't really see yourself drafting if there is one. Chapman. Why? Because of the health. I uh, I don't I don't I think he was a fine fallback at the option before that. Let's say you just get, get completely miss out on all the really high ceiling types. Okay, Chapman was a pretty good hitter last year and it looks sustainable enough. But then when you add in the fact he's coming off two off-season surgeries, uh, yeah. that's I I think I'd rather wait for Devers at that point. Okay, then let's uh, let's talk about who we're waiting on. If we miss everybody here, we have Profar, we have Devers. We're in the one thirties in ADP now. We have Carlos Santana on Fantasy Pros, so he is not third base eligible for us. Devers, um, oh, Profar, Devers, Mustakas. Hey, what is Mustakas? Is he? I feel like if he's going, going to be the 18th third baseman off the board, he's got a good chance to outperform that. Here's the I, the problem with Mustakas is he's another one of those guys with with a huge range of possibilities. I could see him really having trouble finding playing time. Mm-hmm. I could also see if he learns how to play second base, leading the position in home runs. As often as they were replacing Shaw down the stretch last season for defense, like I don't know exactly how it's going to turn out, but everything I can see right now tells me Mustakas is going to be even worse. And he's a worse bat than Shaw. So I have a hard time seeing him playing every day. I really don't want much to do with him at all. Okay, so that's Mustakas. Do you guys I know you want we want to get some Devers. Scott is always like Profar. We go a little deeper. We have Eduardo Escobar, Yuli Gurriel, Miguel Sano, Nick Senzel. So uh, Sano and Senzel are going to stand out as maybe upside guys. Certainly Senzel. Do you think Miguel Sano still has upside? Yes. Uh, well, okay, he obviously has upside. Do you think he has realistic upside? Do you think he's worth drafting, Miguel Sano? I uh, sure. Yeah. Maybe in a row, I mean, points league, you don't bother because he strikes out way too much, right? Roto league, you got deeper lineups. Maybe you need a cheap source of power. Take a flyer on him, see what happens. The twins are talking him up this spring. So we'll see. Uh, it's also worth noting CBS leagues, Senzel is only second base eligible. Okay. And it doesn't sound like he'll be picking up third 
this year. But outfield yes. does seem possible. Sano could be a case of a guy who just has not been healthy. Because he had a shin injury. He was having a great season in 2017. He had a 906 OPS before two, before the break. And then he played through a shin injury for part of the second half and was just terrible. And I last mean, health year is just the starting point for Sano concerns. Um, it's a big one. <laughs> it, no, it's a big one. I, I, it, it, the twins throughout his time there haven't always been happy with his um, work ethic. He's had off the field stuff, True. and he strikes out a ton. Yeah, he does. Like, Joey Gallo level, so he needs to be that kind of power hitter. He strikes out at Alberto Mondesi level. No, he struck out more than that. <laughs> I just, I know. He strikes out more than that. Okay, let's keep going here. Um, Guriel, nice source of batting average. Solid player. Right? Good, yeah, I good guess corner that, infielder. They've been playing Tyler White at third base this spring. Um, uh, that, I don't know why that has to do with anything. Never mind. Forget that. Okay. Hey, uh, third base preview. You said third base counts. Yeah. Um, I guess that's why I brought it up. But no, obviously Guriel would be playing first base for the Astros. I guess my con- if there is a concern with Guriel... It's Kyle Tucker's ready to go. Tyler White's crushing it. Maybe Gurriel's not good enough to stay in the lineup, but you know, gotcha. He seems like a high probability um, batting average source with decent pop late. So uh, we have Drupal Cabrera, Kyle Seeger, Jed Lowry, Michael Franco, Jake Lamb, and Ian Happ. As Drupal Cabrera, Kyle Seeger, Jed Lowry, Michael Franco, Jake Lamb, and Ian Happ. Heath, did I say any names that get you excited? Excited, no, but I do think with the Addison Russell suspension, there's a chance that Ian Happ gets one more chance in April this year. And maybe he won't swing and miss 30% of the time. There you go. Um, Jake Lamb was like a, the number six third baseman in fantasy just a few years ago. I think it was 2017. Uh, he was, yeah, he was fifth in points, sixth in roto. 2016, he had basically the same exact stats and he was 13th in points and 13th in roto. The big difference was, uh, more runs and RBIs in 2017, but he had back to back years hitting 248 or 239, 249 with 29 or 30 homers. Um, and he was awful. Last year, Jake Lamb. He's actually going to be first base eligible because he will be their first baseman. I looked at roster resource. I don't know that there's a natural platoon option for Jake Lamb because he should sit against lefties. Uh, but I saw Christian Walker maybe as a right-handed there, platoon. There's another name. You sh- I can't believe you would forget. <laughs> Who? You want to say it, Scott? No. There's there's a guy that they, they owe Yasmani oh. money to oh. a lot of problems, <laughs> and he might be the perfect platoon switch with Jake Lamb because he could also fill in in a couple other places. Okay, well if Lamb I, plays I, every day, he's got pop. I, I actually think it. Christian Walker has a pretty good chance. Okay, um, he's, he's owed he's owed a major league job as as productive as he's been in the minors for several years now. Okay, Christian Walker then. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but he's not owed Yasmani money. Is that? It, Nico Goodrum, Brian Anderson, Johan Camargo, Evan Longoria, Eduardo Nunez. Nico Goodrum, Brian Anderson, Johan Camargo, Evan Longoria, Eduardo Nunez. Jamer Candelario. If Josh Donaldson gets hurt sooner than later and it's for a long time, Johan Camargo, I think, has mixed league appeal. 
And he might anyway. Like they're talking about using him in a Marwin Gonzalez role. He's played the outfield some. He's supposed to play outfield some this spring. He might get, you know, four starts a week and matter in some deeper leagues. I think Johan Camargo's kind of a deep sleeper. And Heath, you said it when we did our team previews. I said it on the second base preview. Dustin Pedroia will get hurt. Eduardo Nunez will be a nice waiver wire addition. He will steal 25 bases. I think there's a good chance of that. I don't think he's as bad as he was last year. No, he was playing hurt. He said, I have two knees this year. Scott and I said that's something that people always want to have. And that's it for third base, ladies and gentlemen. We will get into the outfield probably tomorrow, maybe on Wednesday. We're going to have a two-parter for outfield, two-parter for starting pitcher, and then relief pitcher previews. Uh, we'll just one for relief pitcher. I want to thank everybody for listening. Scott and Heath for joining me. Uh, we'll talk to you on Tuesday, everyone. Have a good one. This is Fantasy Baseball Today.